This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. The boys are back in town. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Uh, just a reminder, please make sure to rate, follow, and subscribe to the Sons of the Shoe podcast everywhere you get your podcast. want to thank everybody. The uh, Michigan postgame show was our most viewed postgame show we've had to this point and our most viewed show. We appreciate the love and support out of you guys. We, we actually went through and read a bunch of uh, your YouTube comments and kind of interacted there. So if you uh, interacted, you didn't see it. Let us know because we were having some fun there. But uh, Spencer, we are we are now several days removed from the Michigan loss, and I just want to start here. I know we got a lot to get into today, but has has the rage, has the anger, has the disappointment simmered down for you at all? No, <laughs> I honestly, I honestly think it's worse. Um, I, here, here's why, and and I'll I'll tell you, like the last two years, the last two years sucked of losing when Ohio state was favored and all these different things. But I honestly think because those games turned into blowouts and they weren't as close, I almost can, I almost was able to get over them and like, look back and be like, what are you going to do? And just laugh about it. Like, Oh yeah, they got us. Yeah. You know, they really dropped the ball on that one, but this one hurts more because there's so many little moments that you, that I can keep popping up on my, on my Twitter feed where I'm like, if that goes differently, maybe they win the game. If this goes differently, maybe they win the game. Like, I, I've, I've honestly, like, I usually go back and sometimes watch these games again, too, just to, like, you know, get it get it out of my system. I, I, I can't go back and watch this one right now. I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch it, but this one still hurts. Like, yeah, I, I keep seeing the the interception, the Kyle McCord interception that sealed the game pop up on my, my feed, and you realize – 
I saw like a still frame where it was like, if he gets this ball, if he doesn't, if, if the, if the pressure doesn't get to him, if, if uh, Jackson, I think was the, the lineman that let him through that, let the, the pass rusher through, if he holds up just a, a second longer, um, like I, I think he probably gets it to Marvin Harrison Jr. And I honestly think, he breaks it for a touchdown because there was like nobody even in the vicinity. Like he would have turned it upfield and had a good shot at scoring. I just like, it's just the little things like that that are just driving me insane. Several days later when you realize how close this one actually was. And that's the other part of it too, is those other games. Yeah. Ohio state was favored. They probably should have won all these different things. This one, it was like resoundingly Michigan was the favorite coming in from Vegas and all this, all these different things. Everybody assumed that Michigan was just the outright better team all season. They were going to boat race Ohio State, and Ohio State hadn't really played anybody. That's what they they kept trying to use that argument the same way we were using it against Michigan, and it ended up being basically a very evenly matched game that came down to just a few moments here and there. Like that, that infuriates me more than anything. So I actually feel worse about it than I did on on Saturday. <laughs> For a lot of the reasons you just said, I actually feel better about the loss, like, listen, it, it's a kick in the balls. There's just no other way around it. And like, I just think I acknowledge that there's no way I'll ever fully accept a loss to Michigan in the same way that I don't think a Michigan fan accepts it, whether it's a 50 point loss or a, you know, one point loss. So I think the reality is it's a kick in the pants and I, I don't like it, but like, I think, I think the fact it was such a close game tells you how evenly matched these teams were. I actually think that should bode well for Ohio State's playoff chances. I know ESPN has them at like a 50% playoff chance. And I just, there's something weird, and we'll get into this more in the show. There's also something weird that I think there just might be a really good chance this is the year we get the Ohio State-Michigan national title game, assuming that Ohio State's won and Georgia, <laughs> you have to go through Georgia again to yeah. get there. Yeah. But like, it, this would be the year that it happens, given all the insane crap that happened off the field. But overall, like, it was like three moments in that game that lost the game. The blame doesn't change, but like, I, I think if you're Ohio State, I think you have to look at this and say they were they they were the more highly thought of team going into this game. They were the favorite they were a significant favorite and they had the better quarterback. And honestly, you had a chance to go down and win the game at the very last drive. Like that's really like all you can ask. So I, I think if these two teams played again, I don't think it's a guarantee that Michigan wins, especially in the idea of like a neutral site playoff. So like, yeah, it sucks. And it, like it, I, all the conversations we're having on Ryan day, all the conversations we're having at, at the, the Ohio state program in general are still valid. But like, I think I think the closeness and and how evenly matched it felt, and how much it really is. Like, if you take, if if Kyle McCord doesn't throw that that interception early in the game, guys, I think they win. Like, it's as simple as yeah. your quarterback had two boneheaded turnovers, and that's what happens when you yeah. when your quarterback turns it over twice, their quarterback doesn't, and the idea was still a, a what a one a one score game. Yeah, and you had a chance late in that game. So I I do feel I feel. I still feel crappy about it, but I don't feel as crappy. I don't feel as the sky is falling, which I think does make me the anomaly because I have heard a lot, both in Columbus, in Cleveland, on our station, just 
you know, the nebulous social media Buckeye crowd that it sure feels like everybody feels like the sky's falling. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the sky's falling like Ohio state. I, I wouldn't say I feel like when I say I feel worse about it, I'm not looking at it as like, it's all over Ohio state's garbage. It's, 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 it's all downhill from here. Listen, they're, they're number two in uh, in terms of recruiting classes coming in next year. Like it's going to be fine. Like I'll, I'll get over it eventually. You'll start next season considered a, a heavy favorite in most games again, and maybe even the Michigan game because they're going to lose a whole bunch of people. They have so many guys who are seniors or grad students or whatever that are going to be graduating or not even graduating, but just moving on or going to the NFL in general. So yeah, like I, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. I, I tell myself that, but I, I just think you're right. Like the fact that they're the, 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 to me, the losses where there are just a few moments are always harder than the ones where it's just like a blowout and you can kind of look back and laugh on it. And, and, and to point it, yeah, the interception early in the game, I think that was, that's obviously a big key moment that changed because now you're playing from behind rather than playing from ahead. Like that, th- you wanted to put Michigan kind of on their heels and make them play play from behind. You didn't, you didn't do that. That set you back. Um, the, I guess some people maybe argue the touchdown interception controversy thing. We all, we both agreed it was a touchdown, but that's maybe a play that gets thrown in there. I think the end of the half Ryan day, basically puckering up and, and, and not going for, an easier field goal, almost treating it like it, he's in the NFL and he has a kicker that's going to nail a 52-yarder. That was bizarre. I actually honestly think, too, Nick, if you want to go back to even the first drive of the game, not going for it on fourth and one, which this was another painful thing I saw on my Twitter feed, by the way, that apparently Xavier Johnson on the play that ended it short on that on that exact drive, uh, short of the first down, he had, his knee actually wasn't down. So he actually reached the first down marker, but the refs spotted him short. So that one stung because then it was like, well, then that's a whole different drive that you're talking about in the opening drive of the game. But I even thought in that moment, like we talked about it on Saturday, man. Ryan Day says he's going to be aggressive and you had a chance to be aggressive right out of the gate and go for it. And I get it. Like you you don't want to chase things early or whatever, but I, I thought that was a way to set the tone. He didn't do it. Like, and then the interception at the end of the game. So I don't know. It, it, it stings. It hurts. I will say this as we sort of, you know, pivot a little bit here. One thing I have come to terms with over the last couple of days from our conversation Saturday and beyond is just I've had to kind of look myself in the mirror and realize why I think I'm torn on whether or not Ryan Day's the, the right man for the job or not. And I mm-hmm. think it solely comes down to I we all keep saying Ohio State can get any coach they want. And it's it, it, you can get a coach who's going to do the same thing Ryan Day's doing, win you a bunch of game and games in the Big Ten, but lose the game to Michigan. But the problem is, like we laid out, you're looking for that coach that's going to give you that 7% that Ryan Day isn't giving you. He's giving you 93% of what you want. Where's that other 7 coming from? And if it, it, like I worry that they're not going to find that coach, and then you're doing the same thing over and over again. And we know like this is this game is all about recruiting. Like You don't want to see people like Brian Hartline leave because – what does that mean for your recruiting? You want to you don't want to see people like Larry Johnson lead because what does that do for recruiting? And I'm just I, I truly am living in my fears with the with the whole thing, where I'm like, yes, I understand where there's concern about Ryan Day at this point, and there's valid reasons to say it's time to move on from him, as as much as there's reasons to to argue that he probably isn't going to get moved on from. Um, but I also like I, I worry if Ohio State makes the wrong choice. Like, what if they end up like. I, I look at Texas. Everyone said like Texas was too big to fail when Mac Brown left, right? And then they hired Charlie Strong, and like they were they were just every year it was like is Texas back? Like asking that question over and over and over again. 
I don't want to go through the years where you're sitting there wondering that and Texas is still winning like your program still winning like eight games a year, nine games a year. Sometimes you have a down year, but you're just waiting for the, them to finally get back to prominence. Like you need to have a flawless transition to the next guy who's going to take you past what Ryan Day is delivering you to this point. So that's why I think it's a big dilemma for me. And, and w- without that, I would probably say, yeah, move on from him. I would. But I, I'm I'm just fearful that as much as we say it's going to be easy to find that next coach and get more, are we sure about that? That that's I, I've I've had to face that the last couple of days. Yeah, but that's called an appropriate fear. Like, like equal parts here for my my being on the fence with Ryan Day is we can't just look at his record and say, well, it doesn't matter. It does. Like he's lost what is he three Big Ten games and they're all to Michigan. And it would be different. I would feel different. If he had never beat Michigan in 2019, I might feel different. But what see, to me, what you just showed was that's a rational fear because it's not just them, right? It was Miami firing Larry Coker, although that was kind of trending that way. It was USC seeing Pete Carroll go back to uh, the, the, uh, the going back to the NFL. Like, look at the great runs in college football. And I think it's hubris to say, well, you know, Jim Trestle pretty much gave way to Urban, and Urban gave way to Ryan Day, so how tough is it? This isn't Mark Helfrich, okay? This isn't Chip Kelly at Oregon turning into the the bleep show that Oregon – and when I say bleep show, I mean it's really taken them <laughs> until now to get back to where they were with Chip Kelly some three or four coaches in almost a, a decade. So, like, I think what you just said is a rational fear. Like, that yeah. should be the fear. And I think there's this idea, and it happens in the but, NFL but, all the time. Yeah. It ha- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, 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 you're right. Like, it is a rational fear. But we kind of talked, we, we hit on it on Saturday a little bit. Like, we I, everybody just assumes that it, it's if you move on from Ryan Day, that the, the, the answer is just walking through the door and it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies. And, like, I'm saying, I don't know if that's true. Like, we even kind of hinted at that on Saturday. Like, if you move on, Somebody else will be there and you'll be okay. It's, it's Ohio State. But I'm saying, like, we've seen program, numerous programs. You just listed off Oregon. I mentioned Texas. There's others out there that did take steps back when they moved on from a coach that was getting them close to that point. Well, and I think, like, I think there's this misconception that simply because there's going to be a lot of interest in the job and that almost anyone would take it, that that means you're going to hire the right guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think just because you have a vast pool of candidates and you can speculate about Luke Fickle, and I, I think the Vrabel thing is a pipe dream. I just, he hated recruiting when he was here. I, I think he's an NFL guy. And I just think, I think things might be over in Tennessee, but like it is, it's the same money, right? It's not less money. It's not more money. It's going to be the same money if he, less if he stress, takes it. Probably. Uh, no, in college. Way more uh, no, stress. No, no, no. no I'm, oh. I'm saying at the NFL level, it's yeah. stress. So, like, let's say those first two guys don't go. Like, I, I just think if you're going to move on from Ryan Day, you better know when you're moving on from or when you're moving on who you're going to. Like, this isn't we're going to open up and we're just going to talk to everybody. It's, no, you better have the search done when Ryan Day's still in the building. And then if you can't get one of your top three guys, then don't. Do it like that. It's yeah. that simple. And I'll, I got to be honest with you. I don't think anything would happen. Like I think people wanted him fired today or tomorrow or sometime this week. I think when it could happen and why I say and not even a firing, a parting of ways could be when, when, once we find out next Sunday, what happens? 
And then I think, I think then you could put the wheels in motion, but even then act covertly, because if word gets out that Ryan day is either going to be fired or could be fired, the portals open. Like we're seeing it. I mean, I mean, you look at the amount of guys that today have had their head coach acts that are already in the portal. And I know you think, well, it's Ohio state. You can get, no. Okay. It's not the, the point is you don't want the new coach to have to come in and immediately go Deion Sanders and dip 30 guys out of the portal while also trying to land his first recruiting class here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's where all of a sudden you go from uh, 11 to one in the big 10 this year to maybe having a step back here next year, which is needless. Yeah. Ohio state should reload. And I feel like if you, if you go there now, you're going to open up Pandora's box. And again, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means every time you think about turning things over, there is an incredible element of risk and the risk has to be worth it. I also think too, the NIL stuff is important. Like it is part of the context of how these things, how the sausage is made on college football these days. But we also can't forget that at the root of all this, it is a relationship business, man. And like, you talk about the town Ohio State's bringing in, changing coaches. We all think it's just flaw, like seamless. Oh, next guy comes in, it's it's the, the, the recruits are still coming. But you don't know that. Like if he doesn't put the right staff together, that's also going out and making and building the relationships and trying to convince the the players like this is the place for you. Then it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all just going to keep. You know, the Ohio State machine doesn't necessarily continue because of that. So, like I said, I I, I think based on this conversation, like it's a valid fear. Um, I agree with you. They shouldn't just fire him now. It, it's got to be sort of a wait and see type of approach. And I don't think it would happen now anyway. Um, to your point on if you got to kind of know who your candidates are, it's going to take you getting through bowl season to kind of know everything that would kind of be at your disposal. So I don't think it's necessarily even on the horizon. I also think it's interesting, Nick. We haven't heard a peep. Like, not like Pete Thamel hasn't mentioned anything. I would have thought, like, going into that game, because they were there. I mean, he was reporting inside the the big house on different coaches and, you know, the Texas A&M job and all this different stuff. There wasn't even a – there was nothing mentioned about Ryan Day being on a hot seat or, you know, this game matters towards him, his job security. Like, there was none of that. So, I'm of the belief that he's probably just safe anyway for a lot of the context and reasoning that we put out there. Gene Smith retiring, 12-team playoff next year. He's going to make it anyway, like all these different things. But, yeah, I mean, I I, I think I'm – I my stance on it is this. I would be – I am ready to move on from Ryan Day, aside from the fact that I do worry about who you're bringing in next because you just don't know if it's actually going to be as seamless as everybody's making it seem like it's going to be. Now we also have to play – a snippet of today's morning show. If you guys have not heard the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima, we're going to play a snippet. And Lima actually goes into detailed reasoning on why he thinks um, Brian Day should be fired and why it's time to move on from him. And you can actually hear that on the uh, Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. But we just have to play a snippet of his shot at your boy, Nikki Dubs, Nick Wilson here from today's morning show with Ken and Anthony. He could talk about it from two to seven. It was not my call. I'm happy. I'm where both, my... by the way, where where he and Nick Wilson will both agree on one thing: that Ryan Day's perfect for this rivalry. Because <laughs> Nick Wilson is somehow <laughs> continuing to defend Ryan Day, so you guys can have a Ryan Day love fest from two to seven. I'm sure, the fans will appreciate that. He could talk. About... 
So um, <laughs> shots fired. And and Anthony Lima, I called you out of my own show. I'll call you out here. Simply saying I'm not ready to fire Ryan Day isn't the same thing as a Ryan Day love fest. And I think I think I think what Lima is 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 that face of is spoiled Ohio State fans. And I I like I want you to have high standards. I'm not saying don't have high standards. What I'm saying is when a guy has that record and it's not even a thought for you to 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 fire the coach because well it's not good enough, I'll be honest with you. That's exactly the kind of thinking that gets every great school in trouble. And like I think to me today the most homeristic thing you can do is just open up a microphone, fart into it and go, "Eh, fire Ryan Day." Oh, well, I don't like Ryan Day. He's not from Ohio. Like, I don't give a damn that he's not from Ohio. The guy's from New Hampshire. What what poor what bad what badly what bad what what can you say poorly against people from New Hampshire? I think we've had presidents from New Hampshire. And this idea that only Ohio people will understand. Nick Saban didn't go to Alabama. And and but yet he walked in to Alabama and has done pretty damn good. And I get it. There's more struggle for Ryan Day the first four years on the job than there was for the first four years of Nick Saban, but that's not the point. All the Buckeyes fans, when Ryan Day got the job from Urban, were behind it and waved the banner. And then all of a sudden, you had to watch a coach learn on the job. And now, ah, too rich for my blood. The what? Nope, 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 no more first-time coaches. Well, here's the thing. You're already invested. You're already there. So stop being spoiled little babies. We are. It's okay. Just look in the mirror. Admit that you were spoiled little babies crying about an obscene, an, an obsessive amount of wealth here. You're not that far away from beating Michigan. And yes, Ryan Day probably has to adapt a little bit. But like, for all we know, we, we could be six weeks away from Ohio State, Michigan in the, in the national title game. I'm not expecting that to happen, no. but that could happen. And if Ryan Day beat them in the national title game, it would be the single biggest win in the history of the rivalry. A win greater than anything Jim Tressel did, which I feel dirty saying. A win bigger than anything Pope Urban did, and I feel dirty saying that. So I am, sim- I am not Ryan Day apologist, Mr. Anthony Lima. No, I'm simply not a nut job who's just panicking two days off the, off a loss that, while it ain't great, it's also not the most despicable loss in this rivalry. Not even top ten, not even top twenty. You're you're the great Anthony Lima, is being the biggest homer in the room, and I feel like I'm watching a hero die. <laughs> Watching my hero die. Oh man, he's he the man took, that taught me to be a little contrarian, and here we are. He even taught. He even took a shot of the the fine folks down at ninety seven one in Columbus. Who uh, ninety seven one the Homer? Yeah, that's. I think he called him ninety seven one the Homer. Like, good. oh man, I was like just catching strays for just being the Columbus sports station. No, I, I will say too. I think that's well said by you. And I think your point is well-founded on sort of where your stance is on all this. I actually thought, like, I thought the conversation him and Ken had on the morning show was interesting where they talked about how Ryan Day just maybe isn't bought into the the Michigan rivalry the way that he says he is. I actually think they were wrong even about that. Like, I think that Ryan Day is bought in. I almost think he's, like, too bought in. Like, I understand when Urban was here and, like, Trestle was here, he made a point making the rivalry a thing. And when Urban was here, it was the same way. And there was talk that, like, Michigan just didn't care as much as Ohio State did, right? That was kind of the thing when they were winning uh, 14 out of 15 years or whatever it was. And then I think Harbaugh obviously kind of changed that. 
But yeah, I mean, like, I actually think that Ryan Day cares so much. It's it's the same thing with the shot he took at Lou Holtz and the whole like how we we talked on this show about how he had to reiterate how much how tough his team was all the time. He kept saying it, it was his buzzword, toughness and and grit. Like those were the things he kept saying about his team. Um, and I think it's the same thing with this rivalry. Like every step of the way, he knows how much he's being judged by this rivalry and this matchup alone. And that Michigan is in his head that he brings it up at every turn, how, how invested they are in that game and how it's a constant thing. And it's 24 seven. And you know, the minutes after the game ends, you're already focused on the game for next year. Like all those different things, all those, he brings it up so much that I think it's, it's evidence that they are in his head. And I think that shows itself on the field when he coaches against that team. We, I mean, we saw it on Saturday, Nick, like him not going forward on fourth and one first drive. The, the end of the half sequence, like just little moments, it shows that they are 100% in his head because I think he cares that much because he knows he has to care that much or else his job and his ass is on the line that it, it affects the way that he coaches. So I think it's the opposite. I, I think he does care, and I think he cares so much that he has let it fester and he's let it just balloon into this thing inside of him where now like – I mean, he looked dejected after the game, rightfully so, but he, he looked absolutely dejected beside himself like he had no answers – for how he's going to beat this team and what was next for him. I, I think that I, I I think it's, it's more so that he just has it set in his gut and in his mind that this game matters so much. And he's let it get so big and in, in, in internally that it actually is a detriment to him. That, that's what I believe. I think he's let Ohio state fans get into his head about it. And I, I think it's pretty normal. I think it, I think it's unbearable to live in Columbus and to be in Columbus and be at Ohio state when you've lost any amount of games to Michigan in a row. And I think, I think he feels the pressure of that, but I think that's him getting into his own head. And I think, I do think he needs to adapt a little bit. I think, I think he needs to embrace a little bit the Ohio state part of this and try and bring in Buckeyes to help teach the team like what, but like, I think it's the the same extension of, of like some of the entitlement with urban, like urban's teams, guys, they cared more about getting to the NFL than they did anything else. It's just that I think urban properly prioritized and made it a point to explain the Michigan rivalry that seems to be missing right well, now. Well, and if he didn't care, he might kick you. So you, you know, you yeah, gotta... or or goose you <laughs> if you were a, a hot young co-ed, give a little Irby two digits, as it were. Can but I no. also go ahead? Go ahead. But but like I just I to like this idea of oh Ryan Day doesn't care enough about the rivalry. No, I just don't think he he's gonna emote the way you want him to. And every time he does, it's weird. Like when Ryan Day tries to show you some sort of emotion, it comes off like a like a like a twelve year old kid trying to emote for the very first time. Like it's just not who he is. He's just yeah. he's like I, I hate to I, we always make the Ryan Day Kevin Stefanski things, but they're apt. Yeah, like they they well, they're not guys that have that kind of of emotion. They're just that's yeah. not who they are, and you have to be okay with that because that's who he is. It gets weird when he tries to do the Lou Holtz thing, and it gets weird like you know the born on third base thing, or like when he tries to like rub people's nose and poop, he does a bad job because it's just <laughs> not who he is. I and I do think that was kind of Ken and Lima's point, like 
they believe it's not who he is, and that's why he's more of an NFL guy, and that he's just posing as a as a coach that cares. But, but I, I just but that's also that that snobbish. Well, he's not yeah. from here. Yeah. Well, he yeah. actually he actually coached on this staff twice as and, long as Urban Meyer did, but w- that Urban Meyer did as a grad assistant under Earl Bruce, and he actually yeah. was was uh, the the quarterbacks and and offensive coordinator coach twice as long. So he wasn't just some gopher for Earl Bruce the 12th yeah. best Ohio state coach ever respectfully. Like I just, I, yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I, with you. I understand to some degree, the idea, the idea of Ohio state guy, Michigan man. I understand it. I also think it's a bunch of pretentious a-holes that I think are, it's, it's just another weapon to use against Ryan day. And I didn't hear that the first two yeah. years, the guy got the job. Last thing I'll say on this, uh, the other, cause the other thing I know Lima talked about was Ryan day faking it, but also that, he didn't think Ryan Day had the team believing they could win that game. And I actually disagree on that as well because maybe the last two years it seemed that way, and, I, and I'll, I'll concede that, like where they just thought they were going to throw the footballs out and beat them because they had more talent. This year, it felt like they actually thought they, they were going to beat them. Like the touchdown uh, late in the game, Travion Henderson scores the touchdown – and you could tell, like, they were showing him kind of in the backfield, and he looked laser-focused on, like, hey, this this is this drive is working. We're going to punch this thing in on the long drive um, that they ran it eight straight times to score. Like, I, I thought that the guys looked focused. I think you get reactions like Marvin Harrison Jr. at the end of the game where he's just kind of sitting there. I think the fact that Kyle McCord shakes off the early interception, has them marching down the field on another game potential game-winning drive like he did in Notre Dame, like, I think they did believe they were going to win. And I think they believed they were going to win on that drive. And if not for Donovan Jackson letting in a pass rusher, maybe they do. So I, I disagree on that as well. I think this year uh, of the three years that he's lost, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be that unfair to Ryan Day on that. I think he actually had him ready and believing. I actually want Ohio State to make the playoffs more this year than they did last year. And last year was a yeah, better team. I agree. CJ was the better quarterback. But this year – I would like some sort of immediate vindication because I think, and like, it all depends on where you'd be ranked and all that. But like, I think you'd have a hell of a chance to, to, cause I just yeah. don't think there's a great team. I don't think George is great. I think they're incredibly talented, but like, I don't think they're great. I don't think Michigan is great. I honestly, I think Ohio state is on the same par as Michigan. I think the, I think the, the two teams out of the pac 12 have been completely disrespected this whole time, but like yeah, beyond those five teams, like Florida State, I even with Jordan Travis, I didn't think they were elite. Yeah. I think Texas is a good team. Without Quinn Ewers, I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think Alabama, we saw in the Iron Bowl, they damn I mean, if not by they one lost. of the that was well, some no, of the worst. That was, some was the worst defense I've ever seen by that it was, quarterback it, for us. It was the moment, pass yeah. of a century by Jalen yeah. Milrow. So, yeah. like, I think there are five championship caliber teams in college football. Is but this, I think but I don't think this is TCU if Ohio State gets in. I don't think it's, you know, like, I, I don't think there are pay- – I, I think what you have to avoid is you can't let Michigan State in from a couple of years back. You can't let TCU in. Like, you can't yeah. let the paper tiger in this year. And that's why I think really bodes well for Ohio State if a couple things go their way. Is this the reason why the 12-team playoff will actually be like, – everyone's harping on how it's going to be a terrible thing and these games lose their, their luster. But is this actually a – thing a reason why it's going to be a good thing for the Ohio State Michigan rivalry because the team that like I I think it is 
the the idea that you get a chance to exact revenge maybe a week or a couple weeks later, I think the 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 instant vindication actually adds to the intrigue of the rivalry to me because you don't now have to wait a year to find out. You might find out a couple weeks later, and it's like there's a motivational factor there. I, to me, that's intriguing. I, I know other people maybe disagree, but I, I love that about the fact that it's going to expand. Yeah, I think people in college football, like college football fans, are just bad at accepting change. Yeah, I well, think like, I think the leg is the way that it used to be. Is, is yeah, and sometimes they're right, <laughs> but like it, you know, in the case of NIL, they're dead wrong. College football yeah. has never been more popular. Um, in the case of the transfer portal, they're wrong. Yes, it's hectic. Yes, it's changed the landscape and in some ways affected competitiveness. But like, I got to be honest with you, between the transfer portal and guys ha- being able to play until they're seventy. And and collect a pension from from their the college school that they play for. <laughs> I think we're actually seeing a more competitive landscape. So I I, I can't wait for the twelve team playoff. I wish it was this year. I really yeah, wish it agreed. was. I this would be a perfect could, year for it because, like you said, there's not a yeah. great team this year. Well, and I think it, I think we wouldn't have to sweat the idea of well, should Alabama really be ahead of Texas or you know what I mean? Like yeah. then it would be then it just wouldn't matter who was seven and who was eight, and then and then you could give Florida State a chance with uh, Rotomaker to to see what he can do. You could give uh, Texas with their backup a chance. So I, I'm looking forward to it, and I don't think it's going to make the college football playoff any less interesting. I don't think it's going to make rivalries any less interesting. So we have to continue on here. We obviously have the Michigan panic meter coming up. We also have fourth and short coming up. More conversations on the way. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. So, Spencer, this is usually where we we start this segment, the final segment of the show, with the Michigan panic meter. As uh, Michigan just won, the panic meter should still be at Scarlet. So I thought a way of, of, of morphing this for today's show specifically... I thought of, and I just thought, I didn't even mention you this in our break here. Um, so I'm just going to spring it on you. If Ohio State and Michigan played this weekend instead of this ridiculous uh, Big Ten title game with a crappy Iowa team, if they played in a neutral site, let's say, I don't know, Indianapolis, what chance would you give Ohio State to to come back and, and beat Michigan? Mm, I like the question. Um, I mean, I, I'd say, I'd say, I think it'd be even like I, I really do. I, I think it'd be very similar to what we saw this weekend. Maybe Ryan day realizes the error of his ways. And he's like, Hey, I did a shit job of being aggressive that uh, uh, last week. So now I'm going to come out and really, you know, hit the ground running and, and be more assertive. So I don't know. Um, I, I think we saw it was even more evenly matched than maybe what it was supposed to be or what people expected it was going to be. So I'd give him a pretty, I, I would say it's probably, They'd have they'd have a really good chance of winning the second time around on a neutral site. I'd be interested to see what the line was because it was what four and a half I think in favor of Michigan mm-hmm. at their place, neutral yeah. field, probably like one and a half maybe in favor of Michigan. Like I I think yeah. it'd be pretty damn close. I I'd be curious to see if the Michigan win in Ann Arbor would influence that line in any way because I think it, it, you you kind of deducted uh, three points off the Michigan favorite. I think that's the smart way to go about it with how Vegas views these kind of great games. So I wouldn't say it'd be 50-50, but it'd be close to a pick 'em for me. And I cuz here's the thing, I just think the second 
Kyle McCord throws that interception, you're playing from behind the eight ball. Now, I can't guarantee you in this hypothetical rematch, Kyle McCord won't throw more interceptions. <laughs> but I, I think I think if 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 Ryan Day had that game to do over today, I think he would force the issue more with Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah. which is insane because the guy had 118 yards and two touch or in a touchdown. So I think they would, especially late in the game, feature Marvin more. And I think they might try and get a little bit more creative in the run game and, and get Travion Henderson going early in the game. And I, I think the McCord interception really just kind of short stopped yeah. you or short short stepped you from doing that. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think I, I think if they play again at any point this year, as are the playoffs, I really give Ohio State a chance. And I think I, I think too. some yeah. I think some people will look at it and go, Nope, you just played, doesn't matter. I would love it. It won't happen. Listen, if if they do the playoffs, yeah. If Ohio State makes the playoffs and Michigan, we're going to assume Michigan makes the playoffs. If it happens, you can't throw it away in the first round. You really can't. I would be incensed if they had like uh, Ohio State and Michigan. You know, Ohio, uh, Michigan won. Ohio State four. I would be incensed. It should be saved for the national title game. However. If the, if the committee were dumb enough to do that, do you know what I like about it? It would give Ryan Day four weeks to plan for that game. And yeah. that, I do think, might help him grow a pair of balls for this hypothetical rematch. <laughs> All he wants for Christmas is a pair of balls, yeah. No, I, I can I say this too? You may. The game came down to, ultimately, that final drive. And Ohio State got the ball to what? Like the they were on like the four, the 35. Like they, they were within striking distance of scoring a touchdown and and tying that game and then just needing the extra point to win. And I thought it was ludicrous that you had like Blake Corum and some of these other players talking after the game about how you guys are fake tough. You're not really that t- guys, it came down to one drive. Can you really say it wasn't a t- like they didn't play you tough? if it came down to one drive. And that's why I think if it was on a neutral field, like you just saw what happened in Michigan's building and it came down truly to the last drive of the game. Like if, it's funny how that drive decides how we, how we talk about Ryan day and this entire rivalry and everything, because if they had scored on that drive, by the way, we'd be all talking about how the last two years of mission, like they could have re- what's, but hasn't been talked about enough is the fact that if Ohio state scores on that last drive, and they win the game. We're talking about the Michigan program complete, like as a whole, completely differently because their entire last two years of existence, where they were one of the best teams in college football, just goes out the window. And we all just assume it had everything to do with Connor Stallions and the sign stealing and all this different stuff. That now, like Ohio State, really had a chance to dilapidate and cut the legs out from underneath that program, not necessarily in terms of recruiting, like they'll still get people. I don't think kids coming into Michigan really care about that, but just from the way that they're viewed and all the, and, and some of like the PR that comes with it, they could have really done some damage to the program just by scoring on that last drive. But then you're going to sit there after the game and say like, Oh, they're, they're not tough. Okay. You guys almost lost. You, you kind of, in some sense, you kind of got lucky that you didn't lose in your own house. Like, I, I don't know that we can say that about this team. And, and I think that to Ryan Day's point, he reiterated that all season. He was right. They are they are a very tough team for what it's worth. Yeah, but that's what you say when you when you win. It is like I don't put a lot of stock into it. I just think I just think it's the kind of crap that you talk when you win this game. Let's get to fourth and short here. First down is 
Obviously, the portal opened up here on Monday, and we got some names in there. We got Hank Bachmeyer of mm-hmm. La Tech. We got uh, Will Howard of, of Kansas State. There's been like 17 other. Oh, Tyler Van Dyke of Miami. Who He I mean, just went in, in upon uh, – we were recording this on, uh, on, a, on Monday night, yep. and he just entered the portal like I think minutes before we started recording. Which I think he might be the most intriguing guy in the portal at this point simply because – um, he had first round hype on him, yeah. but there is a situation brewing at Texas where Quinn Ewers has said he wants to come back for another season in college football. He was pretty good this year, but that probably makes sense if he has NFL aspirations to come back one more year. Arch Manning went to Texas, a la well, the way Quinn Ewers went to um, Ohio State thinking that he was the heir apparent to the quarterback situation there. Obviously, C.J. Stroud took off. And then Quinn Ewers took off for, uh, for for Texas. It makes you wonder if Arch Manning or Quinn Ewers could be available. So, if Quinn Ewers decided he would uh, he he would he wanted to continue on, and and Texas chose Arch Manning over him, would you welcome back Quinn Ewers if he hits the portal? Yeah, yeah, um, I hundred percent I would. No hard feelings. We get it. Hey, stuff happens. We all is forgiven. All is well that ends yeah. well. Yeah, no, would... no hard feelings in Ohio State. Sure, in Columbus. Sure, <laughs> as the uh, as fans are lining up outside Ryan Day's house to just you know force him out of town. Um, and they oh, and and how about the the classic story about how Kirk Herbstreit had to move out of Columbus because people thought he was too not not pro Ohio State enough. Like, yeah, nobody's hurt, nobody has hurt feelings. Um, but I think if Quinn, you it would be like a LeBron situation. Hey. You came here, even though he's from Texas, it's not exactly the same. But, hey, you came here, you took your money, and you left. Hey, but you're back to help us win a national championship. Okay, well, welcome you with open arms. I would definitely take him back. I also want to add, Tyler Van Dyke is definitely intriguing, but as a listener to the Dan Lebitard show, and they talk frequently about Miami football, from my mm. understanding, the guy can't read, like, zone defense. Like, that's been the thing that's done him in this year is teams started realizing if they just play a cover two shell – that he's basically shit out of luck and he, he doesn't know what he's doing. So that worries me. I'm going to be honest, Nick, if I'm having my pick, obviously, yes, the dream of, hey, Archman, you got to sit another year. We're going to stick with Quinn Ewers and he becomes available and Ohio State swipes him is alive and well. I would love for that to happen, but it also doesn't feel like it's going to. So if I had my pick of quarterbacks that I would love to see come in the portal, it's Michael Pratt for me. Two lanes quarterback. Guys, uh, electric. I saw some highlights on Twitter the other day from one of their, their, their like last game of the season or of the regular season or whatever the hell it was. He was dropping some dimes down the sideline. I think he would look very, very nice in scarlet and gray next year. That's my top uh, – that is my my uh, golden goose, if you will, that I want the transfer portal. All right. So I actually have a few. One, I love Michael Pratt, and I think he's the kind of guy – that if he came to Ohio State, balled out, won a national title, beat Michigan, I do think Michael Pratt could turn himself into a a top pick next year. And I think that's Um, his incentive because he's a senior, and -hmm. there's talk that he might enter the draft, but that's his incentive to come back. It's like, hey, I'll go to a Power 5 school and light it up and then increase my stock and avoid a class year where you got some really high-profile guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May and others. So, yeah. So I also think DJ Uyunglele, is a name that I don't think we should sleep on. Oregon State's quarterback, 
Um, obviously, Oregon State's head coach just went to yeah. uh, Michigan State, and DJ's got one more remaining year of eligibility. So I kind of think, like, you guys want to talk about, like, the perfect quarterback for this offense. DJU played in a bunch of big games at Clemson. His final year there was a bit of a disappointment, but I but he didn't ha- he never had Ryan Day there. And so in one year, Jonathan Smith had a very nice year. He is a uh, mammoth human being. So like, I love the experience. I love, he's also just a great kid. So like, if you wanted to like have air Nolan sit for a year, this would be the perfect one year player, but I think that's happening anyway. Like, I don't, I don't think like we're obviously all excited about the air Nolan era starting, but he's not playing his first year. There's no way they do that. I think they almost, I think it's almost inevitable that they go to the portal. So I don't know. I think if Kyle McCord stays, I think there will be a battle in earnest between Aaron Nolan and and Kyle McCord. And that's an if. I don't know yet. But can I just tell you, I think there would be no greater twist of fate than if you just went down and stole Arch Manning. It, you guys want to oh like, God, I like, love it. Like Ohio's close to Tennessee, right? That's where he grew up. Eh, it's not that far. It's a nice trip down, uh, down the freeway there. I, I don't know. Pap, Pap, Archie would allow this to happen, but I just think like you can pitch to this kid. Hey, we've got an opening. You're stepping right in. You'd have two remaining years of eligibility. And these are the guys we have. And like you have, I think there's a, a chance Abuka comes back because of the injuries this year. You can show him all the other young guys who kind of balled out this year. And you say, we're going to give you $5 million in NIL money. Why don't you come here? Start right away. And again, that probably takes you out of Aaron Nolan, but I love the idea of Arch Manning. So, but I, I think DJ use a really good fallback option. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see who else goes in. Like, I feel like this we might have having to do like a running bit because this could literally change with every single yeah. week that we do this. I love the idea of as a as a player enters the portal, we have a big announcement on this show and ask if we would want him to at Ohio State. So let's can we it. can we limit it to either quarterbacks or great wide receivers or or edge rushers? <laughs> like I or maybe a left tackle. Do they maybe, need you know, wide receivers? Jeremiah tackle. Smith is coming next year. He's like the best overall fair. receiver prospect ever of all time. All right. So this brings us to second down. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. commented the other day that uh, that he has not made his decision yet on whether to go to the NFL. Would Marvin Harrison Jr. really come back to Columbus for an, for an, another year? All right, I'm looking. I'm looking into the camera right now. Everybody Ooh, who's watching, this, everyone who's watching this, give it up. Don't do it to yourself. Don't get your hopes up. Don't fall for it again. We had this happen last year with CJ Stroud. He didn't give a clear answer, and then he waited till the very last day to declare to declare for the NFL draft. Guys, I understand. I gave a nice little soliloquy, swan song to Marvin Harrison the other day. It's unfortunate that he's leaving without any gold pants and that he's leaving without a national championship. I agree it would be great if he could stay, but this man is not going to pass up the potential to earn actual money, have a contract signed, and go as one of the top players in the draft this year. It's just not going to happen, okay? So give it up. Let it, let that dream go. I know we're all in our feelings right now, but Marvin Harrison is going to the NFL, and it's going to be okay because Jeremiah Smith is coming. Carnell Tate's on this. Like They're going to have other wide receivers. It'll be okay. I know it's sad, but he will not be back on this team next year. There you go. So you're telling me there's a chance. My favorite thing about this. So <laughs> Dustin and I talked about this on today's show and he's like, well, Marvin's just a different kid. 
And I'm like, so he doesn't like career. Like, cause here's the thing. It's not about <laughs> it, like, I think it's twofold. One, nobody in their right mind. You're not going to make the kind of money you can in, in the pros in college, but no one should, should risk their body for an extra year that cuts into his prime that, that could take off an extra year of making $20 million a year. That's one. Two, why would you ever delay the clock on that getting through that first contract? Because that's really the prize in the NFL. It is getting through that first contract, maxing out that, and making $20, $25 million a year. I know know the collective pays well. I know if he went to the portal, he would have an offer for maybe $10 million, something ridiculous. You're not getting – you're not recouping the back end of your career – yeah. That that it is like it will literally take a, a year off your NFL career because you're still getting hit yeah. in, the, in college. So well, I think it's crazy as and, well. And frankly, we talk about this being a great quarterback class. The fact that he's being mentioned as like the second overall pick, maybe even first overall, depending on what the, if the Bears get the first pick and they decide they're going to stick with Justin Fields or whatever the hell they're going to do. That's also it's, not happening. Well, it's ahead. not it's not going to happen. But I'm just saying, like theoretically, like the fact that he's being mentioned as the top two overall pick is uh in this quarterback class where quarterbacks are so highly coveted like that's pretty telling like he this is a once in a lifetime opportunity you don't come back risk an injury and then you go later in the draft like I, it, I i just don't see it happening all right third down was this ryan day and jim harbaugh's last matchup in the rivalry mm. i think so i think head to head i think it is not and, and I know Ohio State fans probably want to jump in and be like, oh, because Ryan Day is going to be gone next year, right? And I don't know if it's so much that because, as we've talked about, I think there's a lot of just uh, context and things that are happening at Ohio State between Gene Smith, 12-team playoff, all these different things that are going to prevent them from moving on from Ryan Day. I think it's more so about Jim Harbaugh. I, I think Jim Harbaugh is ripe to go to the NFL. I saw something today about a report that, there's new evidence that's going to be revealed or something like that about the Michigan sign stealing that it's, it's not supposed to result in like a postseason ban, but it, it likely means that, you know, a suspension is probably likely for Harbaugh next year. I think he's done with the bullshit. I think there was a chance this was his ride off into the sunset year anyway, because he knew his team was talented and he had a shot at a national title and he was going to take it and then go to the NFL. I think that, this is this is it for him. The only thing that worries me is that like Michigan's had his back so adamantly, and maybe he's like, you know what, this is the place I want to be. But a tiger doesn't change his stripes. The guy's been wanting to get back to the NFL this year. There's going to be a bunch of jobs available, some good jobs available, especially if like the Chargers job opens up. And I think he's going to jump at the opportunity to take it. I think he's going to be it's going to be wild when uh, Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh are co-head coaches of the L.A. Chargers. Um, <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, I I think a lot can change, but I'll, I'll listen. I think the NFL is dumb for not chasing Jim Harbaugh, but I think there's a lot of perceived baggage there. So. I think it really depends. If Michigan wins a national title, I think it will be irresistible for teams in the NFL to pull him back to the NFL. But if he were to kind of be out in the first round, I mean, that's right around the time where, you know, you're you're still like a week or a half week out from uh, the the end of the regular season. I, I'm not – I don't think it's fait accompli just yet. That brings us to fourth and short, fourth down. Where will Ohio State be ranked this week? There's no way 
they can drop below six. Like they they have to stay in the top six, Nick. Like they, they, you lose to the number three team in the nation. Um, I think there's an interesting conversation about whether or not Michigan jumps Georgia because they now have the best win of anybody in college football at this point. Um, like that's interesting to me. But like, I mean, there there's a there's they, they won't put. I think they probably go to five, and you get Florida State jumping back in just because they stayed undefeated and and by nature you'll do that, Um, which means that there will be a path back in. But as we know, like not playing, being idle for conference championship weekend is going to really just – it's going to be the the big factor that that weighs against Ohio State. There's so much that can play out, Nick, and I know we'll talk about this in our college football playoff ranking reaction show coming up Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, like it, it, I think the, the, the twisting of the dagger on Saturday was the fact that not only did, did Ohio state lose to Michigan, but then there was like four different scenarios that could have played out on Saturday afternoon and into the evening that would have actually benefited Ohio state to find a path back to the playoff. And they all didn't happen. Auburn almost beat Alabama. And then the, the hail Mary to the end zone happened. Uh, Florida State was trailing Florida, and then they got their shit together and ended up rolling past them. Uh, Washington State almost beat Washington. Like, these were all things that almost benefited you, and none of it happened. And it was just like an extra twist of the dagger on that day that now it seems very unlikely that Ohio State gets back in. But we'll see. I, I do think there's a chance they fall past six. I don't think it's a big chance. I think they should be ranked ahead of Florida State, who I think have no business in this conversation. I don't care that they're undefeated. I could see the committee putting Florida State at five, putting Ohio State at six to add a sense of drama uh, and the assumption that that Florida State could could lose to Louisville in the ACC title game. But I think the rightful place is five. And what that positions you is if Georgia beats Alabama and if uh, if if Washington beats Oregon, then it becomes Texas yeah. versus Florida State versus Ohio State. And I think in that case, you've got the best loss and you probably have better wins than either one of those schools either. So I think there's still multiple paths here. And listen, a lot of people in the national media are going to say, no, never, they're done. And they've said that every time Ohio State is lost. They said it last and, year. And they said it, and they're wrong. They're wrong. You know why? Because they don't want Ohio State to get in because that Ohio State or any of the Blue Bloods really as a one-loss non-conference champion is supposed to be the Antichrist. And yet we've seen the commission, uh, that we've seen the, the selection committee time and time again do the right thing. And honestly, if they put Florida State in, it's this year's uh, Michigan State. It's this year's, um, I don't want to say TCU because they got to the national title last year, but it's this year's Paper Tiger. And they're going to get blown out. And Ohio State, guys, Ohio State might get burnt, uh, blown out. But I think there's much less of a chance that, than that than Florida State with their backup or Texas with their backup. All right, guys, uh, make sure to follow, rate, subscribe. I say that in the different order every single time to this podcast. <laughs> Everywhere you get your podcast, make sure to also follow 92.3 The Fan uh, on their YouTube page as well. Follow everything, rate everything. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back um, Tuesday night with the selection committee's latest playoff rankings and the answer to that last question on the fourth down there. Spencer, good stuff, buddy. Go Bucks.